Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Deanna. Thank you so much. Um, I have pictures. I think it's always good to have a point of reference um, for where somebody's coming from. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, just picture like Eddie Murphy and the Nutty Professor. <laughs> the first one. Not when he's like the sexy, svelte Eddie Murphy, like the big Nutty Professor. So just hold that in your mind and put a wig on it, and, and there you go. So I'm going to pass out these pictures. Oh, I have a name. Um, it's not just compulsive overeater. Uh, my name is Deanna. I'm a compulsive overeater, um, a food addict, I, uh, a restrictor, and a hundred pounder. And um, I say hundred pounder. I was always like afraid to claim that a lot because I didn't lose a hundred pounds in program. Um, currently, I'm down about eighty-five pounds in program, um, and a hundred and fifty pounds from my top weight. So I'm I'm literally half. I weigh about half of um, the person I was at my top. Um, thank you for asking me to speak tonight. I was really taken aback when I was asked to do this because this meeting has such a great reputation and it's, and it's kind of famous and that's not what I thought I was going to be asked when um, Seraphie approached me and it felt like a, like a marriage proposal um, or I imagine that's what it would feel like and I was just very humbled by that because I, I'm holding my rookie card. Um, I have less than three years in program. I came in December 30th of 2012. Um, and I have a year and four months of abstinence, um, which, which I never, ever thought I would get to. I felt like the last kid on the block to get that candle, and I was like, can I just trade in all these chips for a candle? Um, does, that, does that work? Because um, my story involves a lot of relapse. And uh, I was really excited to be sharing tonight, and yet uh, all this week I've been, um, I was questioning, like, whether I should cancel. Like, I was questioning whether I should cancel uh, because I felt like a hot mess lately. And uh, I'm like, no, this you need to be happy, joyous, free, sane, serene. And the more I, I try to make myself feel sane and feel perfect and feel like what that superstar OAR looks like, the more it drove me crazy. And the only thing I was asked when I was asked to speak are, are two things. Do you have a year or more of abstinence? And have you completed the 12 steps? And the answers to both those questions are yes. Uh, are yes. And I have to remind myself of that because... Um, my disease is certainly one of perfection. It is certainly one of you're not good enough, you're not enough, you'll never be enough. That is the tape that plays. And I do a lot of things to overcompensate for that. Uh, in the past it was baking my coworkers all kinds of things, which I would, you know, inevitably eat half of and bring in the other half. Um, or, you know, now where I find myself in a bit of a shopping addiction because I have to look my best at all times, and why not? Because I'm half the woman I used to be. I deserve a new wardrobe. But I do not live in a romantic comedy. I do not have the budget to do a whole makeover montage. Um, so, you know, that's something I'm dealing with as well. Um, so recovery today for me means quite a lot of things. 
and one of them was um, today, right before I stepped into this meeting, earlier today, I, I saw a guy that I dated briefly. I saw him today, and I overheard him say the word girlfriend, and my brain started spinning, like that he has a girlfriend now, and that person is not me, in case you haven't guessed. Um, and I was very sad and disturbed by that, and what was, was coming up was fear, like fear that I'm not enough, and fear that I'll be alone forever. So I started having these crazy thoughts, like maybe when I go on dates now, I should just slip them a card at the end for a link to my survey monkey, and they can fill something out to help me out with this. Like, please rate your overall experience with Deanna. You know, was it pleasing, not pleasing, better than the dentist, worse? Would you recommend Deanna to a friend? How was Deanna dressed? Sexy enough? Not sexy enough? Just the right amount of sexy. Um... I can't control people, places, and things. I don't know why I'm single. I don't know if this is going to stay that way forever, but I imagine if I say the serenity prayer, I, I'm guessing it's, you know, God help me to accept the things I cannot change. I, I'm thinking odds are that I cannot change this. I put myself out there. I, you know, I put my best foot forward. Um, so what did I do with these feelings of sadness? I did not want this situation to hijack this share today, this wonderful opportunity that I've been given. Um, so I picked up four tools. I prayed, I sat in my car and I journaled, I read my four today, and I called a fellow, you know, I said, I got to get this off, this is not, you know, three, almost three years in program could not announce, uh, amount to me talking for 30 minutes about this man that I went on four dates with, that's insanity, um, so that helped, that certainly helped, um, so I'll just go to what it was like before, what happened, and what it's like now, uh, I... I've been heavy my entire life. Um, I was probably a plus-size fetus. Um, just a born compulsive overeater. The first time I remember sneaking food was at the age of three. Uh, I remember sneaking into the kitchen and taking maraschino cherries when my mom was walking my sister down the street to, uh, to kindergarten. Uh, and I would eat one cherry and drink one sip of the juice. So I think even at that age, I knew there was something wrong, like that I was so methodical to just take the one so my mom wouldn't notice that these cherries were disappearing one at a time. Um, and then I just continued to sneak food as a child, and too much food was never enough. Um, just more and more and more and more, and I don't think it's normal for a child to know how much they weigh at pretty much every age of their life, but I did, because by five, you know, I was like chubby, like cute chubby, um, but then by six or seven, I was like bona fide, overweight, and by nine or ten, just uh, big, you know, big. Uh, when I was ten years old, I was 130 pounds. And by 6th grade, I hit 200. By 8th grade, I hit 220. Uh, when I graduated high school, I was 285. And, um, and then I topped out at 301 when I was 20 years old. And I, I just kept getting bigger. And my mom said, out of frustration, but kind of half sarcastically, well, what are we going to do when you hit 300? Throw a party? And I remember getting on the scale the day that I, I did hit 300, and I said to myself, I guess I should tell Mom to buy some balloons. Um, and a cake, of course. Because, um, yeah, I, I had gotten up that big. I started dieting really, really young, too. I started slim fast when I was maybe seven or eight. So it worked, you know, briefly. It was slim fast, and it was slim slow. Um, and then it was slim not, and then it was fat fast. Because um, I just blew back up. I kept adding things. First it was like adding equal uh, to it and cocoa powder and whatever else. And, um, and it just didn't work. Uh, so I stopped that. And then I joined Weight Watchers at 9. I'm probably the world's youngest Weight Watchers member. 
and I just really didn't fit in there. I really didn't belong. The leader would, you know, ask people if they wanted to share about their week, and I'd have women, you know, saying, oh, you know, i got to lose the baby weight or my husband will leave me. And, you know, the guy saying, like, I cut back from five beers to three, and I lost 15 pounds this week, um, as men do. And um, the speaker turned to me and said, and Deanna, would you like to share, you know, anything? And, and I just said, I like candy. <laughs> I couldn't explain myself. Um, I, I liked candy, and I thought that's all it was. Was that I just really liked food, so what's better than, than food? More food. Um, so, yeah, it just, it just was really ugly. I didn't get along with my siblings very well as a kid. I have two sisters and a brother, and we would just get in shouting matches all the time. I just did not get along with them. I had so many temper tantrums as a child and a young adult. If I did not get my way, we didn't go to the restaurant that I wanted to go to. I would pout and have a fit. You know, we didn't see the movie I wanted to go to. I'd pout and have a fit. And my mom put me um, in therapy when I was, I think, 10 or 11 because she just, she just couldn't handle me. So obviously I had more problems in food, but I really did just believe I had a food problem. Um, so I graduated from, from high school, and I, I moved on to junior college. I didn't get into the school that I wanted to, so I stayed locally and went to junior college. And that's when I kind of, like, graduated from, like, a yellow belt in eating to, like, a green belt. I think I'm getting my karate analogies right. Maybe not. Um, because I had free reign. I was on campus all day at this community college. And, uh, and I would go on what I would call my world tour on Tuesdays and Thursdays because I had, like, this two-and-a-half-hour break between classes. So I'd go to the food court, and I'd go on the world tour. Like, I'd go to the Mexican place and get, like, a bunch of tacos. And then I'd go to, like, the Chinese place and get my noodles and, you know, go to wherever places and, and end at the vending machine and get a couple of packets of Pop-Tarts, which, in case you didn't know, two Pop-Tarts is two servings. Like, I don't know what, what evil person, you know, decided to put two in a package, but if you read the box, just one Pop-Tart as a serving um, could have fooled me so that that was the next level up uh, and then I ended up going to New York City for my last two years of school and life turned around for a minute life got got much better for a minute I was happy for the first time in my life I had quite a bit of friends um, I was acting and directing and writing and it made it very easy for me to handle my food better so I was eating healthier, I started working out, and I dropped like 40 pounds in a semester. Um, and I looked so much smaller, my mom didn't recognize me when she picked me up from the airport on break. And, uh, and things went really well for those last two years. Uh, and then two weeks after, uh, or excuse me, a, a semester after I graduated from college uh, was 9-11. 9-11 happened. And I was living in New York City at the time, and it devastated the city. And I could not find a job. The economy was wrecked. I was this, like, um, kind of quirky 21-year-old black obese uh, chick with a theater degree. Like, that's in high demand for employment. Um, so I couldn't find a job. And I, and I came back to L.A. I grew up here. And I came back to L.A. with my tail between my knees. And that's when the depression really hit hard. And that's when that next level, that's when I went into the black belt um, Binging, because I'd always overeaten, but uh, the intentional binging started when I came back to L.A., and I would wake up in the morning, and I would eat like a half gallon of ice cream, a whole box of cereal, maybe a dozen granola bars, whatever, um, and then go back to sleep uh, in my room. And I would sleep on the floor, because I felt unworthy to sleep in my bed. Like, that's how I felt about myself. I just... 
I just didn't deserve to be in a bed. Um, so that depression went on for years. I didn't do anything about it. And all the while, I just kept trying to lose weight because that's the, the goal in life. Get thin and everything will magically change. I will be normal. I'll be accepted. I'll be loved. I'll be whatever if I could just be normal. And boy, did I throw a pity party about it, you know. Any any person that was not obese was my enemy. That's it. That's all. I didn't need to know anything else about you except that you were thin and I was not. So I hate you because your life is perfect. Uh, that's all I needed to know. So uh, I went back to Weight Watchers, again, with my tail between my legs because I knew it all. I'd done the Atkins diet, low-carb, high-carb, whatever, like you name it, the cabbage soup diet. If somebody said, you know, spin a chicken around your head and hop on one foot and you'll lose weight, I, you know, I'd be down at the store buying that chicken. Um, and none of that stuff worked. And I don't know that I had a rock bottom before a program, or if I do, I don't know what I, it was, but I know I had some really low moments. I remember buying these fiber bars one time, and they were on sale three for a dollar. So I bought 18 of them, of course. And uh, and the first one I tasted was nasty. But then I thought, oh, if I warm this up, maybe it'll taste a little like a cookie. Maybe it'll soften it. So I did just that, and sure enough, it tasted like a cookie. So I ate all te- 18 of them and turned into Violet Borgard from Willy Wonka. My stomach expanded. Um, I was rolling around the couch making, you know, sounds like when you see that footage of, like, stranded whales on the beach, and you're just like, <laughs> and you're like, somebody help them. They're suffering, you know. Just like rolling around, and uh, and I pray to God to to help me poop. And there's no prayer like a toilet bowl prayer. Uh, like I'll do anything, just help me get these out of my system. I wanted to call my sister who lived uh, with me. Um, I wanted to have her call 911, and I would be, I didn't do it because I would be too embarrassed to say, you know, 911, what's your emergency? I ate 18 fiber bars. That's not, you know, that's not how I wanted it to go down. Um, (laughs) Checking the time. Um, So that was, that was one of the lows, and there were many. There were, like, I don't need to get in, like, too graphic, but there's, like, diarrhea and overeating and laxatives and restaurant experiences that I'd rather forget. Um, but it was, it was ugly. It was all very ugly. So I kept doing that, kept trying to lose the weight. And finally, I just got so sad. I lost my job. I was working at a brokerage firm, which is like no place for somebody with a degree. And, uh, and I hated it. I was so depressed. I would call in sick to work, uh, just because I couldn't bring myself to get out of bed. And, um, finally I, um, I got, I got fired from that job. And uh, for having a record number of hits on the Weight Watchers website, mind you, because I would go on and argue with people and look for, like, the lowest calorie point foods. And, uh, and I ended up in therapy, and I was terrified to go into therapy. I did not want to open any cans of worms, um, unless there was chocolate at the bottom. Um, so I went to therapy, and uh, the second therapist that I went to, she recommended that I come to OA. And at the time, I was bouncing around between 235, 240 pounds, and uh, my family wanted me to get lap band surgery. Um, they said, you've tried hard enough, just get the surgery. My mom said, I'm tired of seeing you not live your life because of this weight. And um, I didn't want to get the surgery. And my therapist said, you know, go to OA. She also offered me antidepressants. And I Googled antidepressants, and the first side effect that came up was weight gain. So I'm like, oh, where are these meetings? Um, 
because I had gone to the website, I did not want to go. Um, you know, I saw these like hokey looking paper dolls. You know, put your hand in my hand and we can do it. We could not do it alone. I, had, I wanted nothing to do with that. I was one of those people that really did just want the magic diet. I started reading the, the steps. I, I didn't like the word God in there. And a big part of my story, I think there were probably, I would say I had three problems before I came into program that I would acknowledge. I have about 5,000 problems now. I've traded, I've traded three problems for like 5,000. But these problems are all markers of somebody that is facing life on life's terms. You know, problems that I wouldn't have if I had stayed in the food and in the weight. And uh, problems like dating and wanting to grow my career and just uh, wanting to live alone, which I finally do now. Um, so the three problems that I thought I had, you know, before I came in were my weight, absolutely, uh, work, because I was in constant terror of getting fired, because um, I didn't want to be there. I made terrible mistakes. And then the other one was religion. Um, I grew up in a certain faith tradition, and I didn't know if I believed it. Um, but yet I still kept going to, to church, I'll just say church, um, and uh, I, kept, I kept doing that. I, I taught Sunday school, I sang on the worship team, and I, I really didn't know, you know, what I believed. And I was terrified to tell anyone, but it was killing me. Every day I, I was afraid that I was going to hell. Um, and finally I shared with my mom very gently about it, and uh, her response was to go in front of the congregation the next Sunday and say, Satan is attacking my family. And I felt like an ant. I've never felt smaller in my life. I felt devastated um, by this. And since I shared that with her, we don't talk about it much anymore. I'm trying to figure out what I believe, to be honest, uh, which is why, you know, reading the steps, it was really tough for me to come in the rooms. So the first time through the steps, my higher power was the group. It was the group. It was program. It was the tools. It was my sponsor. That was my higher power. Um, the second time through, I've been making a conscious effort to find a supernatural higher power and to try to just be gentle with myself and, like, put down some of the things that I grew up with to find out, you know, what I believe, you know, for myself. And that's been the thing that's brought me closest to breaking my abstinence. It used to be things like uh, money or, or work or any number of things, but this is the thing that's brought me the, the closest so uh, that, those are the three problems I thought I had before before program. So a lot of that has changed. Um, I'll speed to what it's like today because that's the important part. Um, people just, it's black and white. I always say I have the same name and social security number, but that's it. This is a different person standing here today. This is absolutely a different person. I'd always wanted to lose the weight uh, for, for superficial reasons mostly. And uh, and now that, you know, it's been lifted for today, I always say I have a 24-hour lease on this body. I get to keep it for one more day as long as I'm willing to work this program. 24 hours I get with this body, this smaller body that I spent too much money on dressing. Um, for today, that's what I, I get to keep if I'm, if I'm willing to hang on to this. So from the outside, I look very, 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 very different. Um, what bothers me at the end of the day is not what I look like. Before program, it was like, how fat am I today? How disgusting am I? I'm a failure. I'm never going to be anything. What doesn't sit well with me at the end of the day is how did I treat people? Did I treat people poorly? Um, did I make a mistake at work? And if so, what did I do about it? Did I let somebody down? Um, I used to judge myself extremely heavily for how I looked, and now I, I judge myself on the other extreme. I judge myself really harsh 
for what's going on inside, you know, to the point, like I said, where this week I was like, I can't leave this meeting. I'm not good enough. I'm not OAE enough. Um, you know, and that's the insanity. That's the disease. But when you look at the big picture of recovery, it is black and white. It is night and day from my life almost three and a half years ago. Night and day. It's like somebody that didn't know how to read, that didn't know the alphabet three years ago, beating themselves up because they don't understand a Shakespearean sonnet today. That's the difference. Um, it, I feel like I'm undergoing a $50 million renovation from the inside out. And um, I'm just a walking ball of feelings today. Um, I had therapy yesterday, and um, when I first started going to therapy, I would go get frozen yogurt afterwards every time to, like, soothe myself. A big old bucket. And the frozen yogurt places in L.A., if y'all are listening online, they, the, the cups only come in two sizes, shame and humiliation. <laughs> so I, I get the humiliation size and load it up, you know, with, with all the sexy toppings, the cheesecake bites and whatnot. And, uh, and that would be the thing. I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. And yesterday I left therapy, and I was really sad. I shared about I've had a lot of devastating things happen in my life in the last couple of weeks where I felt like it's drained my reserve of recovery, that I have so little left, you know, emotionally to give. So it was a heavy session, and on top of that, during it, my aunt kept calling me on my cell phone to ask me which hamburger patty she should buy. And I had to remind myself, be kind and compassionate, be kind and compassionate, be kind and compassionate. Uh, and that's what I've learned in this program. Be patient. We all have our flaws and our shortcomings. Be kind and compassionate with people. You never know where they're coming from. And even if you do, still be kind, compassionate, respectful. Um, programs given me a pause button and an edit button. I used to say a lot of things that were judgmental and extremely offensive to people. I really suffered, you know, along with cake and donuts. I put my foot in my mouth a lot. Um, and program has given me such a pause from that. So I left therapy yesterday after this heavy session. And what did I do with these feelings that came up and these tears that came up? And I cry a lot now. It's like a Mass and Gill commercial. It's really it's, it's sad. Or my it's really, I, and I cried probably three times in my entire life before the last three years before program. Um, so what did I do with these feelings after therapy? I sat in my car. I just sat and I breathed and gave myself permission to do nothing else, to not move until I felt like moving. I sat and I breathed. And then I didn't go to get frozen yogurt. I went to the gym, and I ran, and I ran four miles. And I'm not an exercise bulimic. I'm by no means obsessed. I do a pretty healthy amount of exercise. Um, but I, I ran because that's a victory for me. Three years ago, I couldn't run even a mile without stopping. Uh, so the physical transformation, again, has... It's symbolic. It's profound. So, you know, I, I get these things out in a healthy way. I sit with the feelings, and then I move on to something else, you know, and I let it go in the run, and I felt so much better after the run. I, you know, every time I get down and I, and I exercise or I go to therapy or I come to a meeting, I start to feel like the hero of my own story again and uh, like I can make it because I've been going through such a dark time, a really, really, really dark time, and I have to take a step back and believe in whatever higher power I'm working on, that this is all part of the story, this is all part of the big picture, and that this really is just a season and a rough time. Um, and, and three years in, this is what it looks like. The first time through, I'm so grateful to have been relieved of the weight because I, it was like living in a prison for my entire life. I feel like I'm on parole. I'm on parole, and I'm on probation, again, as long as I'm willing to do the work. And I'm telling you, like, the weight was hard. But going through the steps a second time, really being vulnerable and open to spiritual recovery 
is a doozy. Is a doozy. So um, I'm excited for what's next. Just check my time. Um, so I'm excited for what's next. I'll tell you like what my program looks like today. Um, I try to get to at least three meetings a week. Um, between two and four, but generally three. Um, I have a sponsor. Um, I have three sponsees. Uh, I journal, man. I journal. I journal like Shakespeare. I just like keep writing and writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. Um, I read. I read the four today pretty much every day. Um, yeah, I take service positions, uh, which is important because I, I went through a period of relapse um, in my story um, for months. And I, the service commitments kept me in the rooms. Because I would be, I would be late to meetings, binging in my car on the way to meetings, and the only reason that I stayed um, in the rooms was because I didn't want to give up those commitments. Because I am, a, I try to be a person of my word, if nothing else. Um, so yeah, I sponsor. Uh, I am sponsored. I keep coming back, um, you know, to the best of my ability. I do what I can do. I try to make amends if I if I hurt somebody, and sometimes the person I hurt is me a lot because I'm very hard on myself very hard um, and then the outside stuff again is incredible I lost so much life to this disease for like 25 years and things that I wanted to do that I was scared to try or felt like I was going to go to hell for trying or just was afraid I wouldn't succeed at or felt like I didn't deserve uh, they're slowly but surely coming up I would always wanted to live alone was tired of living with roommates I've been able to do that in the last year by accepting help from family and friends that's I can accept help and have the humility for that um, I started doing stand-up comedy, which is something that I always wanted to try. And uh, the first time I did it was at the OA Talent Show, so auditions next Saturday. Um, yeah, and, and now I just I booked two gigs in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, they, they pay me, like, the cost of a, a street vendor taco. But, um, you know, like, that I'm putting myself out there and not afraid, not afraid to do these things. I didn't really date before program. I had one on-and-off relationship with this person, uh, this guy that lives in Australia, of all things, like, going after these emotionally and geographically unavailable people. And that was the closest thing I had to, like, a real relationship. And I date now, you know, like, rather unsuccessfully. Um, but I do it. You know, I do it. I don't know if things are going to get better in that area. But, again, I don't think I have too much control other than to keep working on myself and leave the rest up to God, the universe, whatever. I have so many more friends now. I had, like, two friends before program, and one of them lived across the country. Uh, just, I live, I live a very busy and full life. And sometimes it's crushing. Sometimes I'm like that cow in Twister that's like, Brrr, he's still alive, but he's like caught up in the momentum <laughs> of the hurricane or the tornado. And sometimes I am the tornado and I cause a lot of chaos. Um, but I just keep going and I, and I try to like find a higher power that reminds me to slow down and that I can't do everything and be everything to everyone. It's just not possible. It's just not, it's just not humanly possible. Um, but that, that's what my life looks like, and I'm very grateful for it, and, uh, and I hope it keeps getting better. Um, I'm, sure I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Oh, my bottom line uh, is no binging. My bottom line is no binging, um, for anybody that's curious. And that is eating until I'm so stuffed I cannot roll off the couch. Um, and uh, feel 
feeling very sick and nauseous. And after these binges, I would wake up with a food hangover. And there's been many times I've been tempted to restart my abstinence. And my sponsor would, like, slap me across the face. Yeah, like, well, not physically, obviously. Um, but give me a reality check. Like, give yourself a break, girl. Keep moving forward, you know. Like, an extra piece of whatever does not a binge make. You know what a binge looks like. But the it is not enough disease in me says no you need to make the line even stricter even harder or I'll get into compare and despair sometimes and say like oh well this person's abstinence is you know no flour no sugar no water no air no oxygen <laughs> go to 16 meetings a week meditate for five hours a day and I'm like well I'm not doing that so I failed um, and, and this has worked for me it was hard enough to get that year with this bottom line of no binging so, uh, so that's the line that I'm holding sometimes my food is bigger sometimes it's Messier, but I have held that line for for over a year, one day at a time. I used to ask people, "How do you get to 20 years?" And they're like, "One day at a time." So, um, so yeah, one day at a time. I'm just going to keep doing what uh, what I've been doing because um, it's it's working. And like I said, I hope things get better and I get out of this this dark period. But I have a whole heck of a lot to be grateful for. So I'm grateful for my 5,000 problems instead of the three problems that I thought I had. Um, so I'd love to take questions. I think I have five minutes. Five minutes for questions. That's cool. Do you have any questions? Um, Lucky asked, what happened when I finally got asked what changed? Um, a fellow, a fellow changed that. Um, I was binging and binging and just couldn't get, couldn't string a couple of days together. And I called a fellow who I adore, who's like the sweetest, most wonderful person ever. And she always says, you know, it's just until your head hits the pillow, just for today. You know, don't worry about being abstinent tomorrow, what you can do tomorrow. Like, just for today. And I was cr almost crying when I talked to her and I said, I just, I can't get abstinent. I've been binging. I, I just, I can't get abstinent. And she said, you're abstinent right now right now, like while you're talking to me, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you are the Yoda of OA. Like, that's true. I literally wasn't shoving food into my mouth, you know, while I was talking to her. And that is the beauty of hope. Like, I had 1%, I would say I had 1% of hope left in me that I wasn't going to die fat, that I wasn't going to burn in hell, you know, and that I could have, like, the 1% is what made me, like, go forward into OA. So that hope that, like, wait a minute, I am in this moment, I'm abstinent, and if I can have this one moment, she's right, I can, I can be abstinent. So that was what changed, and that got me to the year and four months. That was that day, a year and four months ago. Ah, good question. She said, what is your spiritual practice? Um, my spiritual practice, I've been getting up in the morning and praying uh, just for a couple of minutes. I try and meditate. Sometimes it's because I need a nap, so I call it meta-napping. So I'll put on like a meditation and just like calm my mind for a couple of minutes until I lull myself into that nap. Um, writing is very, very spiritual for me, and people are very spiritual. So connecting with somebody from program every day if I can, even if it's just emailing my sponsor or something, whether it be my food, or just reaching out, connecting with people, because I like to believe that I can hear my higher power um, through others. So, yeah, prayer, prayer and meditation slowly but surely is, is eking into the program. Um, so I hope that makes sense. All right, thanks so much for letting me share.